Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, I talked yesterday a little bit about the next Patreon-exclusive episode that will be coming out, and I did confirm the interview or the conversation that I'm going to have, and it is with your friend and mine, Kate Reinking. We're going to be talking about how to book New York theater trips when you don't live in New York City. You've heard me talk about it quite a bit over the years here on Broadway Radio. A lot of people also read out, reach out to me via email and social media about like what my tricks are for finding things, whether that's hotel, flights, tickets, making schedules. If you think my trips are insane, you need to check out Kate because they are in New York City a lot more often than I am, kind of coming in for random things a lot more than I am. So I think between Kate and me, we have a lot of insight into how to plan New York City theater trips that is a little different maybe than just like a normal tourist. So we're going to be chatting later this week. That'll be coming to you in the podcast feed, assuming everything goes well and there's no hiccups with our recording over the weekend. So that'll be our second Patreon exclusive episode if you are signed up for the appropriate tier there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Grace, you and I are both friends with Kate, and they are tremendous on social media, and we'll obviously be plugging all of that as well. But in terms of scheduling trips, nobody does it better. It's true. Kate's really great about it. I've obviously seen them on many of their visits. Also, like if you are uh, interested in learning more about like what theater TikTok is and, and who is kind of on the forefront, Kate is one of those people. So follow them at Theater is Life on TikTok because they have a massive following and it's it's no surprise to all of us because they, they do such good work. Yeah. So if you want to hear that and everything else, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Now, Grace, this is a story that we've kind of been talking about quite a bit over the last few weeks as we've been looking forward to what the spring season on Broadway is going to look like. But yesterday, it was reported that there is a new equity casting notice out for the heart of rock and roll that seems to be aiming towards a Broadway premiere this spring. The casting notice, which I admit I have not been able to find myself, but Broadway World says that they have seen a copy of the casting notice, and it says that rehearsals start in mid-February with a planned opening in April, which... Of course, if something's going to come in the spring, that is not a surprise that it'll be opening ahead of the Tony eligibility deadline, probably previews beginning sometime in mid-March, a month for rehearsals going from mid-February to mid-March. No other details about where it's going to be, what roles are open for auditions. Is it just like we saw with Limpica last week? Is it just ensemble roles that are open? We we don't know. All we know is, is that it looks like the heart of rock and roll is planning to come to Broadway. If you forget what this show is, it is a jukebox musical built around the music of Huey Lewis and Huey Lewis in the News. It had an out-of-town tryout all the way back in 2018 at San Diego's Old Globe Theater. It starred Matt Doyle and Katie Rose Clark. As of now, both of them are busy. Katie Rose Clark will be doing Merrily We Roll Along on Broadway at the time. Matt Doyle, obviously, currently over in the UK doing, doing the Frank Sinatra musical, I don't know if that means he is open to come back and do the show now or if they're going to be looking to move the Sinatra show forward. It's tough to do another musical when you're generally going to be on a nine month to a 12 month contract for another Broadway musical. So I don't know what that means for either of the stars of those shows, Grace. But this is a show that is going to be directed by Gordon Greenberg, who we talked to here recently about Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors. You have talked openly about the fact that you have gone recently to see 
a, I don't know if it was a workshop or a presentation or whatever, and you kind of just love the energy of it. So we don't have a ton of details other than the fact that it seems like it is moving forward for a spring 2024 opening. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the last little presentation. It wasn't really a formal presentation. It was like family and friends over at New 42 just, I guess, a month ago. So it it makes total sense that they are moving forward in some level of casting. If that's like the trajectory, it felt like in the room that that might be the case. I I mean, I very much am biased to like the fact that I really like the Huey Lewis music. <laughs> so Same. I might... I might be the only person in this age demographic that feels that way for now. But yeah, so I'm I'm interested and curious. Also, I can't find that casting notice either, but Broadway World reporting on the casting notice means that it's out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about, about what all of it means, but certainly, you know, intrigued at the end of the day. Other than The Power of Love, which obviously is already on Broadway in Back to the Future and spoiler alert, Huey Lewis might make an appearance in Back to the Future on Broadway. Other than that song, what is your favorite Huey Lewis song? Is it just the heart of rock and roll or are you going something else? I really like Stuck With You. (laughs) I really like Stuck With You. Also, that music video is really funny because it doesn't make sense at all. And I think that anybody would say that. Like, it literally is so iconic. It very much feels like Young Frankenstein. It is wild. Makes no sense. Please watch it. That's my recommendation of the day is to watch The Stuck With You by Huey Lewis and the music. And, right, and the I'm news, putting it in there. Um, <laughs> YouTube. Um, but yeah, I obviously loved I Want a New Drug, LOL. Um, hip to be square. Hip to be square. If this is it. Yeah, there's so this many good it. ones. Oh, God. If this is it, when someone this nails up. Yeah. Yeah, it, there is no, honestly, that's the bit for me. <laughs> if this is it, on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's I great. want that to be the thing. Yeah. Well, I grew up with Huey Lewis and the news music. Like I, I love it. So I'm very much looking forward to this, uh, eager to see what casting looks like, especially if Matt and Katie are unavailable for this one. And as I'm looking through grace, my spreadsheet, it looks to me like there are seven houses that don't have anything for the spring. I think some of them have things for the spring that haven't been announced, but they are circle in the square, which I don't see this going into that. We have the Helen Hayes, which obviously that second stage was not going into that. There's the James Earl Jones, which unless Gutenberg extends, will be open in the spring. There's the John Golden, which the shark is broken is in, and that's closing uh, in a couple months. You have the Long Acre, but I think that might be where another show that we talked about last week is going in. You have the Marquee, which I think that has a that has a that has a show booked for that one as well. And then you've got the Music Box, which is open. There's a, maybe some rumors about another show going in there, but like we're getting to the point now where we said there was, there's all these theaters open and now all of a sudden we're looking at it and like, oh, things are full again. So I think the opportunities for the heart of rock and roll to find a theater, presumably they already have if they're putting this casting notice up. But like if we're reading the tea leaves trying to figure out where it is, like there's not a ton of places for it to go. So I I think if you can kind of like pull out the map, there's only a couple options. So I, I think one of those ones will be where it goes. And I imagine we will get some sort of announcement at least with principal casting, at least lead casting here in the next month or so if this audition notice is going out. All right, let's go off Broadway. And this is a show we've talked about a a couple times. Swing State, written by Rebecca Gilman and directed by Robert Falls, officially opened at the Manetta Lane thanks to Audible Theater over the weekend. And we have some reviews that I want to run through. As we've talked about before, 
This show is described this way. Evenings on the prairie are relatively quiet for Peg, a recently widowed woman in rural Wisconsin who still cooks for two, which doesn't go to waste whenever Ryan, a dear friend with a troubled past, pays her a visit. However, after noticing her husband's toolbox is missing, she places a call to the local authorities, unwittingly setting off a series of events that will forever reverberate through the small community. This show originally premiered at Chicago's Goodman Theater to great reviews. Rebecca Gilman, the playwright, is a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and director Robert Falls is a Tony winner. In the cast, it features Mary Beth Fisher, Kirsten Fitzgerald, Anne E. Thompson, and Bubba Weiler. I will read through some of the reviews. Let's start off with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who said, quote, In Robert Falls' staging, imported from the Goodman Theater in Chicago and presented here by Audible, every collision is clearly tuned. The scenes snap into place like machine-tooled puzzle pieces, with lighting, costumes, and music that all but feeds the audience its emotional cues. And though Gilman does much to complicate the character's motives with backstory that's elaborately layered into the dialogue, so elaborately that at one point a character is forced to ask, why are you telling me this? None except Peg, who is played by Mary Beth Fisher, seem quite believable. Fisher is able to absorb the complications into a rounded performance in which they feel surprising but not synthetic. She has more to work with, of course, as she's on stage for most of the play's 105 minutes, but also more to build on, having been a Gilman regular like Falls for years. She seems to move through the variously depressed, angry, loving, and resigned aspects of the character like a hawk gliding on thermals. You barely notice the turns. In the play overall, though, you do, and until a thrillingly staged climax that moves unusually fast, you usually foresee the corners with plenty of room to prepare. The result is a play that seems becalmed on its surface, despite the powerful emotions underneath. Not just the character's emotions, but the author's. So a fairly decent, if not mixed, review from Jesse Green. Charles Isherwood of the Wall Street Journal was positive, though, saying, quote, as Ryan, Mr. Weiler gives a similarly nuanced performance. The jittery young man remains traumatized from his time in prison and is prone to panic attacks. But Mr. Weiler also underscores how deeply grateful Ryan is to Peg underneath a truculent exterior and how the sudden death of Jim has left a hole in his heart, too. In the role of Danny, Miss Thompson, looking like a slightly awkward, overgrown girl, brings some leavening humor to the play when she proves to be an unusually sensitive good cop despite being new to the force. And while she has the least complex role, Miss Fitzgerald fills out the sometimes harsh contours of Sheriff Chris forcefully. And finally, another positive review comes from Juan A. Ramirez from Theaterly, who said, quote, Through her deft cross-pollination of tragedy, character study, and old-fashioned drama, what emerges is a moving portrait of quiet lives made to growl loudly into an abyss encroaching from all sides and a call for remembrance of the comfort we might find in one another. Now, Grace, I, I think you saw this uh, last weekend. What did what did you think? Um, I I wanted to say that like I was not prepared for the subject matter, so just know like content and trigger warning for like self harm and suicide should be there. I don't know if that's that is there, and I missed it, but I just wanted to say that for our listeners that if you are wanting to go to to know that up front, um, because it's a quite riveting piece, but it is nonstop. There's no intermission. They go full force. It's a four-hander, and it's so well done. Each actor I would see in their own show as as those characters are otherwise. It was pretty fascinating to, to see all of them working together. It felt like, especially because I am not familiar with their work in like New York, they might all be like Chicago-based actors. 
it felt very much like I was dropped into the to the Wisconsin of it all. Like I, I thought that I was literally there, um, which was great. And then I, I'm still perplexed finding, and, and this is not a spoiler alert, um, but I'm still confused as to the tone of like, is this like kind of like, hey, there are some good cops out there or like, like a cab, but like, except this one, I don't know. It, it was just kind of, it was really interesting. I want to talk about it with a lot of people. Um, the person that I brought is also a theater person. And we were like, we have to talk about this. So it really was thought provoking and really well executed. And I just applaud that entire cast for having to handle such challenging material so effortlessly. And uh, it was really, yeah, it was really worthwhile. So I'm glad that they've extended and you should all go. The show did just get extended on uh, on Monday, so it is currently playing through October 28th, and I will be looking forward to hearing it when I check it out on Audible when it is eventually available. Uh, okay, real quick, got some other news here. Uh, coming up on the season three finale of Only Murders in the Building, which happens on October 3rd, they are going to be hosting a very, very cool interactive experience at the United Palace in Washington Heights, which of course is where the Tony Awards were this past June. That theater doubles as the Gooseberry Theater on Broadway, which is one of the settings for the show this season. During select hours from September 22nd to September 24th, you will be able to tour the space, see all the different things. There will be some I don't know if they're the actual set pieces from the show since this was filmed quite a while ago. There'll be some interactive experiences, including a memorial shrine to Ben Glenroy, the the character played by Paul Rudd, where you can leave notes and take flowers and all of those other things. And then you can go into some of the dressing rooms as well. Tickets are free and they are on a first come first serve basis. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. I think just going to the United Palace in general is a cool thing because it is absolutely gorgeous. I've never been there. But having seen enough stuff uh, at the Tony Awards and then some other things from different events there, like, it's gorgeous. So you might just want to go. I need them to add some air conditioning. That's what I need. Oh, is it not air conditioned? Um, I mean, we were all schwitzing at the 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 Tony Awards this year. It was pretty disturbed. But yeah, so like, (laughs) I don't know who it was that got on stage that was really like, can you guys turn the AC up? Literally in their acceptance speech. It was nuts. Um, But I did get to see When Harry Met Sally, um, introduced by Harry himself, Billy Crystal, this year. It's a really amazing space. I, for one, I'm looking at the the last tickets that are available are for Sunday, the last like three showings. So by the time you hear this, they might be gone. Ah, But definitely, yeah, but definitely do it. And also like, it's a really interesting way to not, be scabbing particularly during the strike but in in more so like to just involve yeah. the community hopefully and um it's really cool so and it's not that far of a ride up it's not as bad as you think it's right off the train <laughs> cool very nice um speaking of not scabbing yesterday deadline reported that dicks the musical has postponed its release date by one week it'll now have a limited release on october 6th with a nationwide release on october 20th but that the film in a24 has received a sag after interim agreement, which allowed the creators Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp, along with Bowen Yang, who co-stars with uh, Aaron and Josh, to promote the film at the Toronto International Film Festival. So everything is good there in terms of sag after and all of that stuff, so they can promote it. And they did change the release dates, presumably, to get more opportunities to promote it. I, d- I don't know. But um, obviously looking forward to that coming next week or next month. And then finally, in the news section here, Stephen Schwartz confirmed that 
In 2024, the Minier Chocolate Factory is going to be holding a major new production of his 1976 musical, The Baker's Wife. It'll be, I, I mean, I don't, I can't think of a major revival of that show happening in the time that I've been really focusing on theater. Um, I guess there, there was, was an a, off-Broadway, I think, two years ago in New York City. It was last year. It, it was from the J2 Spotlight uh, Theater is directed by Robert W. Schneider. But like in terms of like a major Broadway or even off-Broadway or West End production, like this is that's pretty great. So and, and uh, getting any getting an opportunity to see anybody do that show is kind of cool because it just doesn't get done that often. And we hear Meadowlark all the time but not a full production. So looking forward to hearing more about that and would love to kind of see who they cast in it. All right, Grace, I've got two recommendations here. One is apparently, I didn't realize we were already at this point, but apparently in Warsaw, Poland, they have a completely new non-replica production of six already. I would have thought that they would just be pushing out the uh, the original staging for a while now, especially because it's still going so well around the world. But they have released a trailer for it. So if you want to check that out, what the non-replica production looks like, you are welcome to do that. And then the final thing that I want to talk about is we know that Betty Who joined the cast of Town earlier this month. We now have video of her in the cast singing I Love You Always Forever outside of the Walter Kerr. You can uh, check that out. It looks like it's her, Philip Boykin, uh, Solea Pfeiffer, Reeve Carney, all of those folks uh, kind of serenading the, the crowd gathered outside the Kerr, which is, which is very fun and very cool. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and pretty much anywhere else at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on social media at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.